and bow yourselves afar off. And Moses alone shall come near Jehovah, but they shall not come near, neither shall the people go up with him. Told the people down there, stay back. Don't even touch the mountain, because you'll die. God is amazing. God is... We don't have any clue how glorious. But he's also powerful. Get around power and it can be a scary thing. It can be a dangerous thing. So in Exodus 25, 1 through 8, God told Moses to start gathering items from the people in order that he could have a tabernacle made, a tent, so that he could dwell with them. We know about tents. We know about tabernacles. Sorry if I thumped that too loud. Now I realize that God the creator of all didn't need us to build him a place. You know, he, he owns it all. Rather, he needed his people to know that he wants to be among them. He loves them and he cares about them enough to want to be with them. I don't know why sometimes, but he does. Also, he wants them to get to know him. So God goes into intricate details. I'm not going to cover all of it because, it, it, you know, about what he wanted. He tells, you know, Moses exactly what he wanted. And then while Moses is on the mount with him, God showed him exactly what he wanted. He took him to his temple and showed him, you know. So we, nobody that, you know, on earth has seen God's holy temple. Well, <clears throat> Moses is buried somewhere on this earth and he saw it. Showed him exactly what he wanted done. Showed him the temple in heaven in detail and so that he could build a copy of it so that people could see and use it. Why? You know, my opinion is so that someday when we get there, we won't be too overwhelmed. And the people that he wants to work there will know kind of what to do. Oh, I've seen this. I studied about this. So years later, after the tabernacle, He built a temple, solid building, again, very impressive. God moved in after, in both of those instances, moved in and met with the people, dwelt with the people, communed with them. I believe that some people really have a problem believing that God cares about us, one, and that he really comes to earth. You know, God doesn't come here. God's some far off in a few universes away or something. No. Deuteronomy 23.12, the Hebrews are reminded our God is a close and personal God. He said, you shall have a place also without the camp where you shall go abroad and you shall have a paddle upon your weapon and it shall be that when you will ease yourself abroad, you'll dig a hole and cover that up. Because the Lord thy God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to give up your enemies before you. Therefore shall your camp be holy, that he see no unclean thing in thee and turn away from thee. That's what you call pretty close and personal. God's walking around. So do you think the Hebrews knew God is a living God? I'm pretty certain they did. 
Am I saying that we need to build us a temple? No. First off, Moses isn't here. God gave Moses the plans. God gave Mo took Moses up and gave him a tour. Okay. Now the people also, the, the artisans and the craftsmen that worked on this, God put in their minds exactly what he wanted done so that when they made these things, they were beautiful. They were done exactly the way that God wanted them done, and they were done all the same. You know, it all looked the same. didn't look like a hodgepodge. Like scriptures, how many people did God use over how many years? And it all fits. It all works together. God knows what he's doing. God did the same thing when Solomon built the temple, gave him instruction, told him what he wanted to do, gave it to the people that were going to be doing it and what to do. So we don't need, we'll see the temple someday, and it'll be the perfect temple that God built. But we do need to come somewhere and gather together. Forsake not the gatherings of yourselves together as the manner of some is, right? But all the more as you see the day approaching, because we need help. Folks, it's getting close to the end time. And I, even if it's 400 more years, we're closer than we were yesterday. We're a lot closer than we than they were when Mo God was showing Moses all this. <clears throat> we need to realize we're coming to worship the only living God, the God who loves us and cares for us, his children. Enough so that in John 3.16, they tell us, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But that's not all of it, is it, Ian? There's a few more details we may need to know. When we come to him, we need to come humbly, seeking his grace and seeking how we might serve him better with our lives. We read in the first, actor, uh, first chapter of Acts that after his resurrection, Jesus told his disciples, that he had more in store for him. It wasn't over. They were all ready to give up and go home, you know, go back to fishing. Acts 1 4, he says, Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? They was excited, they was ready to go. He said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. So then they did exactly that. i got to give them credit. They hung around, waited in Jerusalem until Pentecost, meeting together, waiting, praying, sharing their experiences with one another. And then it happened. 
Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and the disciples were given the ability to speak God's word about Jesus so that all could hear in their own native tongues about him. We read what Peter said about Jesus to all those who were there. Acts 22, 2.22 You men of Israel hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and their foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaks concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he's on my right hand, that I should not be moved. That's what you call, you know, I, I got this guy here, he'll take care of it. <clears throat> Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in the hope. Because you will not leave my soul in hell, neither, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You shall make me full of joy with your countenance. These were all... These last few verses were actually talking about Jesus and what you know he his his trust in his Father God. You're not going to leave me in that tomb. You're not going to allow my body to see corruption. They had about as close a relationship as you can get because no difference. Father and Son are one. You know, and then there's no shadow of turning. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just think if we could get some of that relationship, you know? We could make a difference in people's lives. <clears throat> he, he continues on, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. I'm going to make a lot of folks upset that try to pray everybody up into heaven at their funeral while they're dancing and playing. It didn't happen that way. <clears throat> I want to speak to you of the patriarch David. He's both dead and buried. And his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, he seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades in the grave, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all our witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David's not ascended into heaven. But he says himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit you on my right hand until I make your foes your footstool. Therefore, let the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Okay, so what did they do? 
They all ran out of there screaming and left, and they'd never been back. No, they hung around. And the people asked, well, what do we do? You know, so he told them, you know, need to repent, be baptized in the name of Christ. And then in 42, it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They got serious about it. They started meeting, and fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. God was showing these people continually the power of his power through the disciples. All that believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And no, I'm not saying we need to go into a commune and, and do that. That's what they did. And it worked for them because they had been through a lot, and they were going to go through more. They needed to know how to work together. And if God wants us to do that, it'll come to us. You know, if we get to a point where we're facing the problems that these people were facing, or were fixing to be facing. But they did that. And then they are continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So they were growing. They were growing. Was it on that uh, day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls were added to the church? Like, like Jaws, we need a bigger boat. <laughs> we're going to have to get a bigger temple. We need to keep in mind Ecclesiastes 12:13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. God also tells us, you know, if you repent of it, it's going to be gone. Far away as the east is from the west. If you don't, it's there. It's going to have to be dealt with. So how do you deal with it? How do you stop yourself from focusing on something other than God? Maybe you want to talk with some of your friends that have the same kind of troubles and find out how they deal with it. Now, I heard uh, some people that are much smarter than I am, much more successful in what they do, that said, if you want to be successful in certain things, then surround yourself with the people that are successful in those things. Instead of the wrong people. Don't be hanging out with the wrong crowd. Because if you hang out with the folks that aren't doing what you want to be doing, you're going to end up doing what they're doing. So if, if you set your goals, you know, you'll find out what's... Say you wanted to find out how to fly a plane, and you had some friends that flew planes, you might want to go with them, get with them and say, hey, you know, I'd sure like to learn that. They'd be glad to share it with you. Instead of hanging out over at Joe Bob's 
garage and pool hall, you know, probably not going to learn a lot about how to fly. I kind of want to fly. I want to fly far enough, you know, after the dead are resurrected, then we'll rise up to meet Jesus in the air and then come back down and get to work. I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about what Jesus said was going to happen. But I want to be there. And I have problems with with life. I do things wrong. So I'm working on getting with folks that know how to handle that. You can recognize them. You'll see them. Folks that are doing well in the Christian life. Get with them. Find out what they're doing. But show up. And when you show up, realize you're not really there just to meet with those folks. You're there to worship God, the creator of all this. And he cares about us. He sent his son to die a horrible death for us. And he wants to bring us home. But he, he won't just bring everybody. You got to kind of straighten yourself up through the through His Spirit working in us, but also through you know networking. We can network with folks. We can network with Christians that are doing well and figure out how they did it, and then other folks will come along and they'll say, "How'd you do this?" And we can network with them and bring them along. That's why we're here to learn how to do that. 